0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your graciousness, and we thank you that we see that in the way that you have given us your word. Oh, it's a precious book that you have given us to think that we have not the words of men here, but the words of God. Lord, help us to treat this Bible as such, to submit to it, to respect it, and to want to learn from it so that we can live a life of holiness, a life that is pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand the verse that we are looking at this morning. May it be clear to us what you have intended to say, and may we be able to apply it to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think worship is something that we are all familiar with as humans. Because I do believe that humans are hardwired to worship. You see this particularly when it comes to celebrities and sports heroes. If your children grow up and they aren't worshipping God, they will worship something. We're hardwired to worship. And this is uh, something that you see if you look at the animal kingdom. Do you see the animals gathering round for a Commonwealth Games? And looking at the ability of other animals, some of them, to do amazing feats that the other animals can't do. You don't see all the polar bears sitting around in the ice watching another polar bear sit there at the stream and scoop fish out. And one really clever polar bear is able to get two fish in one go. And all the other polar bears are there sitting, clapping, uh, televising it because it's so wonderful and start you know really starting to worship that polar bear as being very clever. And then another one steps up and is able to scoop three fish out in one go. And so he takes home the gold medal for getting the most fish out. We just don't see that happen. The animals don't gather around and worship one another and look at each other and praise one another for what they're able to do. No, They get busy and and go about their work as the Lord has ordained them to do. But humans are different. They're hardwired to worship something. And if we aren't worshipping God, we've got something else that we're worshipping. It might be some sort of materialism. It may not just be a person. Many people will worship other people, but it may be that we worship money, we worship different possessions, we worship sex, we worship something. There is something that you are worshipping if you're not worshipping God. But what about angels? Do angels worship? And if they do, what do they worship? What do angels worship? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. We've been looking at angels uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, no, for one week. Um, this is our second week. Uh, but we've been looking at the supremacy of Christ. Firstly, he was supreme to the to the prophets. And now we've looked at how he was supreme to the angels last week in the fact that he is God's son. This week, we're going to look at how Jesus is supreme to the angels because they worship him. And so my first main point this morning is that angels Do worship Jesus. What do angels worship? They worship Jesus. Now, is that true? Well, does Hebrews 1, verse 6 say that? Look at Hebrews chapter 1. If you've got a black church Bible, that's on page 1184. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. Do angels worship Jesus? It reads in verse 6, And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says... Let all God's angels worship Him. Now you see how the NIV has put that in quotation marks, that last bit that talks about God's angels worshipping Jesus? That's a clue that, this is a quote, it's come from somewhere else, and as the author of the Hebrews loves the Old Testament, it's not surprising that we see him bring through quote after quote to prove his case. Just like I, when I get up and preach, I don't just tell you how it is, I try and prove it from Scripture, because if I just say it without any proof, well then you may as well have your opinion, and I've got my opinion, and we can just go away and, uh, and keep our opinions. But if I show you that it's from the Bible, then you go, oh right, well it's not just his opinion. It's there in the text. And so the author of Hebrews is doing the same thing. It reads kind of like a sermon, the book of Hebrews. And so he is quoting the Old Testament again and again to show, it's not my idea. This comes from the Bible. This is God's idea. And so he quotes there in verse 6, let all God's angels worship him. Now is that right? Is that proof text right? Does it actually say that in the Old Testament? Well, NIV translation is good in that it often gives you the reference to where it is. And so you see the little letter D at the end of verse 6 there. You follow it down to the margin and you go, all right, yes, of course it's Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. So let's flip back there. We just had it read to us by Di. Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. Page 204 on the Black Church Bibles, 204. Deuteronomy thirty two, verse forty three. Does it say that they worship the angels worship Jesus? Verse forty three Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, he will take vengeance on his enemies, and make atonement for his land and people. It doesn't say it, does it? Let all God's angels worship him. Where's that in verse forty three? It's not there. Now, the NIV realises this has gone on, so it's got a little uh, footnote there, letter B and C in uh, verse 43 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, the, the B is just an alternate translation, but look at what it says about C. It says, Masoretic text, Dead Sea Scroll, C also Septuagint, and let all the angels worship him. So it's there in the margin that yes, there is a text that actually says let all angels worship him. Masoretic text—that means the Hebrew version of the Old Testament that we get from the um, Masoretic scribes. Uh, they carefully looked after the Old Testament, and that's where most of your translation of the Old Testament comes from uh, their tradition. But in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were found last century, and in the LXX, the Septuagint which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, it has and let all the angels worship him as the second sort of line there at verse 43. Now, this is going to do your heads in a bit. And um, if you tune out here and come back in at the second point that I have today, uh, I I won't berate you too much. But you've got to realise that we don't... The translation that you have of the NIV comes from a gathering of lots of different texts. It's not like we've got one scroll of the Old Testament, one scroll of the New Testament, and then we've done our translations over. What we have is a a tradition of textual criticism where you look at all different texts and you work out what is the closest that we have to the original that was written. And so the Greek translation of the Old Testament is often looked to because it may have been translated from an earlier Hebrew text that we don't have access to today. And so what could have happened here is that the scribes who translated from the Hebrew to the Greek had access to an older Hebrew manuscript that we don't have anymore. But the Jews were pretty good at keeping care of their scrolls. They actually had one scribe who would count the number of letters on every line and how many letters were in the book, and then they'd check and they do the counting again to make sure they hadn't missed anything. And so they were very meticulous. So we often rely on the Hebrew version that we have while we look at the Greek version and see what's going on there as well if we're a bit confused about something. So it may be that it was in the original. Deuteronomy, when Moses said it, yes, it was there that it said, let all God's angels worship him. Now, some scholars will say that. Others would say that what the author of Hebrews is doing, he's actually thinking about Psalm 97 verse 7 because that is a very close representation of what it says there in Hebrews. And we read that earlier when I first opened up the service this morning, Psalm 97 verse 7. So I'll get you to flip over to that. Psalm 97 verse 7. Now, it doesn't say it word for word like it does in Deuteronomy, if you take the Greek version, but the same sort of idea is there in Psalm 97, verse 7, where it says, "'All who worship images are put to shame. "'Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods.'" Okay, so we've got the worship him part, but it says all you, and then it doesn't say angels, it says gods. Now, in the Greek version, or again here, it does say the word angels. But it doesn't say it as precisely as it says in the Deuteronomy Deuteronomy, uh, Greek version. But the word God can at times actually be used when it's used plural there, gods, can be used for angels. So it is a fair translation that the Greek scholars have done where they say, worship him all you gods, they put worship him all you angels. Um, So it is okay for them to translate it because that's the meaning that's given, is that it's not God's, it's angels that God is commanding to worship him there. Now, the question is, which is right? Is it from Deuteronomy, is it from Psalm 97, or is it just the author of Hebrews is making stuff up? Some of you may say, well, why is the author of Hebrews looking at the Greek text anyway? Why doesn't he use the Hebrew like we do? You know, like I study a bit of Hebrew and I try and work it out. Why isn't he quoting the Hebrew back? And that's what Jesus does. That's what Paul does. They have their own translations. They're using the Hebrew and they don't quote the Greek text all the time. Whereas the author of Hebrews, he's consistently using the Greek Old Testament. It's like, well, why is he doing that? Why doesn't he use the Hebrew Old Testament? And it's because we think that he was writing to Jews who didn't know Hebrew. And so what he was writing to them is, it's like when I quote to you a text, I don't quote the Hebrew to you. I don't quote the Greek to you. I quote the NIV to you. And so the people, it's probably that they were in Italy, and they were Jews who were so far removed from Jerusalem that they didn't know Hebrew. All they knew was Greek, and their Bible was in Greek. And so it's logical that he would quote to them from the Greek uh, Old Testament because that was what they took as authoritative. But does it say in the Old Testament that God's angels worship him? Is he right to use this text here? Now, in the end, we've just got to admit that this is very difficult, and one commentator says that this is the most difficult verse in all of Hebrews. Hebrews 1, verse 6 is the most difficult for this reason, that he's quoting from the Old Testament, but then it doesn't show up in the Old Testament. Um, So it makes it very difficult. What we've got to accept is that the, the sense of it is there in Psalm 97, And in the end, if the author of Hebrews is writing the very words of God, if he says God's angels worship Jesus, that's enough for us to say, yes, it's true, God's angels do worship Jesus because the author of Hebrews says so. And the author of Hebrews is also not just a man, who we aren't really sure who it was, but it's also God. And God says so in Hebrews, and the sense is there in Psalm 97. Now, I wasn't sure about doing all of that with you, but it's something you've got to recognise as Christian. I don't want to hide things from you, that there are a number of difficulties in the Bible, and we've got to be aware of them, and that if you look down there and if you were a studious person, you'd flip back to Deuteronomy and you'd go, what's going on here? It's missing. Um, There's got to be a problem with the translation here. But we have to recognise that because of the author of Hebrews says... God's angels worship him, then God's angels do worship Jesus. But why? Why do they worship Jesus? We've established that they do. Why do God's angels worship Jesus? Well, Hebrews 1 verse 6 tells us, they worship him because he is the firstborn. So my second main point this morning is, God's angels worship Jesus because he is the firstborn. And Hebrews 1 6 tells us that. It says, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. It's when he brings his firstborn into the world that he commands the angels, worship Jesus. So they worship him because he's the firstborn. Now what does it mean that Jesus is the firstborn? Well generally, when we have the word firstborn, we think first child born, first one into the family. And if you're of that tradition where you recognise only males as being the sort of the, 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 firstborn, uh, where in the Old Testament that was the case. So if you're a firstborn girl, you still weren't counted as the firstborn. It was the firstborn male that was the, the big shot in the family. Uh, but firstborn generally means the first one. Does that mean that Jesus is the first of all creation in the sense that he was the first being created by God? Which is what some people will teach you. That Jesus had a beginning. But he was the first one. So they say Jesus is all, he's great. He's wonderful. He's better than everybody else. But he's not better than God. Because he was the first being created by God. He's the first created being by God. Is that what they're saying there? That he's the first one to come from God. And some cults will teach you that. They will say, yes, this verse by saying he was firstborn, means that he had a beginning. He, But he's very good, he's just the first one. He's not God. No, the Bible teaches us quite clearly that Jesus has no beginning, that he is God and he's always existed. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the the first and the last. He has always been just as the Father has always been and just as the Holy Spirit has always been. Calling him firstborn here does not mean that he is the first created being above all other beings. But what does it mean then? Well, some people think that this refers to Jesus at Christmas, the Advent, where Jesus comes into the world, so where it says, and when God brings his firstborn into the world, it's referring to Christmas. And of course, we do see in Luke, what happens? Well, there's shepherds that come, there's magi that come. And what else do we have? Hark the herald, angels sing. We have angels show up and they sing there. And so people say, oh, this is about Christmas. So God's saying at Christmas, angels, when Jesus comes into the world, firstborn, that's when you're to worship him. But angels did show up, but we see they don't actually worship Jesus. We see the magi come in and see Jesus, but the angels praise God. Yes, they do sing but they don't actually worship Jesus. But many Christians do think that's what it refers to. But I think when it says firstborn there, it's actually a reference uh, to two other things. And the first thing is that it's a reference to his resurrection and ascension to God. That when it says there, when he brings him into the world, let all angels worship him, that it's saying when he's raised from the dead as the firstborn, That's when the angels worship him. Now, why would I say that? Well, another part of the Bible refers to Jesus as the firstborn, and what does it call him? The firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. And so what that's implying is that Jesus is the first one to come back from the dead. Now, some of you say, oh, hang on, what about Lazarus? What about the the widow's son? What about the little girl that gets up? She was dead. Jesus isn't the first, and there's people come back to life in the Old Testament too. Is he the first from the dead? Well, he is the firstborn, the first one that comes from the dead, never to die again. You can't find Lazarus somewhere in Jerusalem still, you know, getting around. You know, he's lived for the last 2,000 years since Jesus called him come out of the tomb. No, he died again. And so did the others. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, to never die again. The first of that resurrection that we all look forward to. We will have the same resurrection, but he is the first. He is the firstborn from the dead. And so that's what I think it's saying here: is It's telling the angels to worship him at his resurrection and ascension to God. Another reason why I say that is well, not just because of that phrase, firstborn from the dead, but because we looked at last week how he declares that God is his son, and I looked at that word today in verse 5, and it says, today I become your father. Looked at how that referred to the resurrection, that Jesus declared God's son at the resurrection. And so it makes sense if, if he's going to call him his son at the resurrection, then he's going to call him his firstborn at the resurrection as well. And then we see angels worshipping Jesus when? We don't see it at the nativity. We don't see it at, um, with uh, when he comes into the world. You see it in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. Angels worshipping Jesus. And notice the state of the lamb. Where, What has happened to Jesus when the angels are worshipping him? Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. It says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. It's been slain. It's not come into the world and is still an infant. It's been slain. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. There they are worshipping Jesus. A Jesus who has died. But is clearly alive again. He's there being worshipped. And then verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. So not just the creatures, creatures of angels, those four living creatures. We aren't really sure what they are, but they're you know, some sort of created being, some sort of angel. But then it talks about the angels, plural there, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and, glory and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. There we have Jesus being worshipped after he's been slain and after he's come back to life. So when it says in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 1, and again when God brings his firstborn into the world, it's talking about him being firstborn from the dead. That's why the angels are worshipping him, is because he is the one that is first from the dead. Is that the only thing that firstborn refers to, that he's first from the dead? Well, the other phrase that's used of Jesus when it comes to firstborn in the Bible is says he's firstborn of all creation. So that's my second point, sub-point under point two about Jesus being firstborn from the dead is that he's the firstborn of all creation, which makes it sound like what I was saying before, that he's the first one created. But what do we think about when it comes to firstborn? When a child's the firstborn of the family? Well, not so much in our culture, but traditionally, that meant that the firstborn was superior to the others and inherited everything, or at least a double portion. Deuteronomy says that you're not to favour the child of your favourite wife; um, you're meant to remember the first child of the first wife that you had. You you go you go for that firstborn and give him a double portion. He gets a double inheritance. And so we've got to understand when it talks about firstborn, Jesus' is firstborn, that he's superior. It's a title of superiority to others. It doesn't mean he's the first one. It means he's given the title of superiority. It means he inherits all things. Now, how can that be if he's not the first one? Well, we see regularly in the Old Testament that the firstborn blessing actually goes to other children. Now, it's not supposed to, but it does. And God... Uh, deems it right. Jacob and Esau. Who's the older one? Esau. Who gets a blessing? Jacob. He's the one who dresses up with the, the hairy arms and everything and goes in and deceives his father. He gets a blessing. What about King David? Who gets the throne? Solomon. Is Solomon the firstborn? No, he's not. Yes, there were a few other guys before him that died, but there was one other guy that was older than him, Adonijah. And he makes a claim to the throne, but David steps in and says, no, 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 Bathsheba's son Solomon. He gets the throne. He gets the firstborn title. And what about Jacob when he's old and he's blessing Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh? Does he give the blessing to the firstborn? No, he gets his arms crossed and Joseph gets you know upset about it, last sort of chapter of Genesis. He goes, no, 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 Dad, get your arms back to the right one. This is the firstborn. He says, no, 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 this is the way it's going to be. And so the title firstborn doesn't just necessarily mean that you're the first one. In the sense that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, yes, it means he's the first one. But it's a title of superiority, a title that you inherit the blessing. And does Jesus inherit all things? Is he the firstborn of all creation? Yes. All things have been put to him. He inherits the lot. And so he's the firstborn of all creation, not in the sense that he was the first created, but he's the firstborn of all creation in that he gets the whole kit and caboodle. He gets the lot. He gets everything. And so, is it any surprise that the angels worship him? They bow down and worship him as the one who is the firstborn from the dead, and they bow down and worship him as the one who inherits the lot, who is the firstborn of all creation. Which brings me to my last main point. What does it mean that the angels worship him? And my third main point is Jesus is superior to angels because angels worship him. The whole thrust of last week, this week and the next couple of weeks will be that the angels are inferior to Jesus and Jesus is superior to them. And when we see them worship him, it's clearly showing that Jesus is above them. Now, the word worship in the Old Testament sometimes means to show honour or respect to someone. So the king comes past, you worship him. okay? You show respect. But in the New Testament, the word worship is used exclusively for God. When you worship someone in the New Testament, and subsequently, pretty much, you're saying that person is God. And so the fact that the angels worship him doesn't just show that they respect him, They show that they believe Jesus is God. This is a clear-cut verse showing Jesus' divinity because the angels, they aren't worshipping man, they aren't worshipping one another, they're worshipping Jesus Christ. And they don't give their worship to another. They're holy beings. They don't worship the wrong person. We do. They don't. So we pay attention to who they're worshipping because it's a good clue that that person is above them and that person is God. And so Jesus is God is what this is implying here. So Jesus is far superior to the angels because he's the firstborn of the dead, firstborn of all creation, which means the angels worship him and that implies he's God. So the author is saying to us again, don't take angels over Jesus. There was a temptation in their day, and the temptation is still here today. Last week I applied it to the fact that we can be tempted to follow Satan as a fallen angel, but there's lots of people that follow even, um, they think they're following good angels. You go into any bookshop, secular bookshop, don't, you know, Kurong, you know, is a religious bookshop. Go into somewhere like Dimmicks, or Angus and Robinson. Go to the religion-spirituality section. There's books there on talking with angels. They've been there for about five years or so. I remember seeing one at Big W a while back, being quite curious about it. And they tell you how to talk with angels. People today are very interested in speaking with angels. The whole spirituality New Age movement is there. And they'd rather speak to angels than speak to the one who is superior. And who's that? Jesus Christ. They'd rather hear from an angel than Jesus. The author of Hebrews is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Take Jesus first. He is far superior to the angels. And the angels are telling you that by the way that they behave here in the New Testament. And we should also learn from their example, these angels here. They're worshipping Jesus. What should we be doing? We should be worshipping Jesus too. They're holy beings. We should follow their example. Worship Jesus as God as they have. Have you worshipped Jesus in the past? And are you continuing to worship Jesus as these angels do? Acknowledge him as God. Acknowledge him as the one that you need to depend on. Acknowledge him as the one that you need to submit to and be obedient to him. Do you worship Jesus as these angels do? Have you ever worshipped Jesus as the angels do? If you haven't, I encourage you to do so this morning. You're worshipping something, and whatever it is, it's below Jesus. Because he's above everything, including angels. I encourage you, don't do it. Repent of your sinfulness today. And believe in Jesus Christ as God, as the only one that you want to worship for the rest of your life. Do it now. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you that it is trustworthy and and true. There are some things that it says that are hard and difficult for us to understand But Lord, we do know that you have spoken and that what is contained in the Bibles in front of us is your word and that we can rely upon it. Lord, we do pray that we may acknowledge you like the angels do. That you are the firstborn, that Jesus is the firstborn. He's the first from the dead. He's the firstborn of all creation. He is far superior to all angels all other creatures Lord help us to not be tempted to worship something else and if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't worshipped Jesus before may they start doing so right now may they repent of their sins their evil in worshipping other beings worshipping other things and start worshipping the true God today and believing in Jesus' death for themselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.